I'm gonna say it right now. This show shouldn't exist. <laughs> it shouldn't. Like the 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 cobbling together of shows here. It really was like buddy cop slash western drama slash just weird. There are too many genres here that I would have assumed this wouldn't have worked, but yet here we are. Yes, about to talk about a show that absolutely fucking worked. Yeah, true. All right, clap me off. <laughs> All right. Do it. Welcome back to Ebology, everybody. I am your rabbit hole, Professor Ricky. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm Ethan. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, rabbit hole? Rabbit hole. Pray tell? A- after I had watched the show we had discussed uh, to talk about today, I went down. Uh, you, you told me, like, hey, can, ah. can we do this a little later? I'm like, yes, absolutely. And I went down a couple rabbit holes on YouTube. And one of them was fans coming on stage to famous shows and, and just absolutely ripping off just the song. absolutely like clapping on like the drums or guitar and a couple of them like just singing the verses better than the artists and they had to look at them like you just showed me up on my own stage how dare you <laughs> seriously and the other was um i saw this one it was like this this like young ass i want to say swedish girl or something came up on stage with logic and you know how he's like a he's a pretty fast rapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She Seriously. like literally did his his exact cadence, like and shot stuff. for shot. I mean, close-ish. Wow. For like that, a non-pro, that's incredible. And he was Honestly. just like, "Whoa, <laughs> yeah, you're literally playing in my league yeah. right now." But yeah, the other one was um, a very long YouTube video of a guy who went to the Westminster Dog Show, <laughs> uh, tripping super hard, and it, oh. was, it was one it was one of the funniest pieces of content i think i've ever seen because he he was just like so how many dogs you think are here and someone was like oh we have like whippets golden retrievers whippets yeah or, or they're they're that's a dog breed no, like, i know whippets. but it been funny if he was like whippets but like literally she just rambled off a bunch of dog breeds and she and he just stood there looking thousand yard stare was just like oh my god <laughs> that's so many dogs yeah <laughs> i don't know if he was on like you know, like acid or shrooms, but he was or he was like going off bath salts. Maybe possibly bath salts. But uh, <laughs> speaking of shrooms, uh, today we're talking about a show. I think that was maybe I, I don't even know if it was slept on last season. I just didn't hear a lot of hype about this show, and I feel like uh, we should have heard more. In my opinion, there should have been more talk about this show, but there wasn't. Yeah, I think it was like kind of a weird niche that probably a lot of people didn't get into and i will say kind of slow beginning but really really ramps up and becomes like an absolute dime piece of a show but that's what that's what confuses me it has all the trimmings of a typical shonen action it's just all of the the motifs and the themes and maybe even just like the the power system quote unquote was a little bit too off kilter i just think it's hard to get amped about shrooms i mean i'm just saying i think i think once any shonen fan watches this show, they're going to see it for what it is. And it's a good shonen one-off, just tight, 12, one-quarter show. Um, but Ethan, I'm going to do the honors this time. Nice. I got you. This show is called Sabuski. Sabukui, I think. Sabukui like Bisco. Yeah. 
It was a show from... I will be referring to it as Bisco from now on. Because the first just word, Bisco. I literally can't spell it. I can't say it. I can't do anything about it. I think we have gotten pretty good at pronouncing Japanese words, even in Rom- ah! Ro- Rom- Romanized version of it. But even that word is just too much for me. I just don't know what it is. <laughs> and they never said the actual word. So that but was kind Bisco of weird. they said Bisco so many times. So we're right. just going to call it Bisco. It was a winter 2022 anime that... I believe maybe came from Shonen Jump, but I, I'm not going to die on that hill. So it's I'm a not, light novel. It's a light novel. Right. Okay. But I know it was adapted by Studio Oz, who we may have talked about this show in one of our uh, anime season previews in the past, and we had brought it up. And we had brought up Studio Oz as this being one of their first, if not their exact first outing. And I did a little more research as I was watching this, and I realized this is not only a studio that has not put out any other anime besides Bisco, but it is built upon a bunch of Ufotable vets. Like this is a this is a studio. This is this is semi sort of Mappa from Wit Studio game right now. Interesting. But this is their first outing, and boy, howdy now does it look good. This show looks great. It's got like a really strange aesthetic. I think along yeah. the lines of like a Doro Hetero, where it's like yes, yes. While definitely brighter and more vibrant colors than than Doro Hetero, really, yeah, yeah. Just I guess based on the landscape, frankly, and like setting, but they were like still almost muted tones, even though it was like you know you could have like a snow scene or something. It still felt a little like definitely post-apocalyptic, which is great because that was the point. Yeah, right, um, right. right. But like just just a quick little plot rundown. I guess there was these uh, large automatons in the past called Tetsujin. Tetsujin, who went absolutely bonkers, insane. They and were like titans in their own right. It, it literally there's like some scenes that look like a titan. They look a little bit like titans, right? Uh, but they essentially blew up, um, <laughs> cratered Tokyo, basically leveled the bitch, right? Like, just and then. Done caused this like sort of i guess diaspora away from tokyo around japan yeah um and then with it came this this like rust disease called the rust wind yeah the rust wind which i guess blows through towns and stuff like that and gives people like i mean they look like they're rusting just like any piece of metal yeah so Um, anything that was inorganic would rust over like like immediately but then anything organic would adopt the rust almost like a disease. So it felt very much like it was biological in nature, which was interesting. But, you know, the, the, the society as a whole wasn't like, it was halted to a degree, but like it was still ongoing with the rust wind in it because like people were still operating. They had jobs. There was still government. There was still something that was going on. Still brothels. Yeah, so, you there were like, still brothels, of so course. Pretty good going on in things Ima, were still Imajima or whatever that things was were still happening. Yeah, they're you know? chilling. <laughs> they were um, chilling. But yeah, it was kind of a also kind of a weird, I guess, side effect or something like that. Is like I couldn't tell if the animals became like super super sized and crazy as a result. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, because I, as a result of the Tetsujin disaster, or if this was just like supposed to be a not Japan world, like I. Essentially, there's these like massive animals, like even like little bunnies could be the size of like 
a couch or like a, a small little uh, yeah. hatchback. Right. So, or, or there'd be like the blowfish that can fly <laughs> and that are the size of like, what's a big flying animal? I don't know if there is any. I don't know, like a pterodactyl kind But of like thing? fat. But fat, like a dense pterodactyl. Yeah. Sure. So very odd, I guess, creatures all of a sudden were like all over the place and a problem. So I wanted to ask you real quick because I, I watched the first four episodes a long time ago. Same. And I rewatched the third up to the finish right before we recorded. So I didn't get the first two. So did they explain why these animals were supersized or is just part of the ecology of this world that already existed? Are we willing to kind of black box that and just say like, yep, the, they had crazy ecology. No one cares. It's fine. It felt a little bit like Made in Abyss where they say that these things exist, but they don't tell you why. Yeah. And, and I'm actually okay with that because I... I've said on the show numerous times, I love a show that gives me a peer into a window of a world that feels lived in before I got there and will feel lived in after I leave. And this is one of those shows. And part of that lived in feeling is they never explain the ecology. Like the, and the ecology plays in a big way in this show. These animals and the both companion and ad, uh, adverse and like, uh, animal enemies that they are all kind of there but they never are explained so you're just kind of like left wondering right yeah i think it would have been interesting so we are really just thrown straight into it in the first couple episodes in in this basically city um but what i i wish there was like maybe like you know how a lot of shows they'll do before they start the show they'll give you like Tetragene blew up and then they like explain just like maybe maybe three, four yeah. minutes about yeah. like what happened yeah. after 100%. that. Yeah. To, to get you to this like post apocalyptic world. Yeah. I I think in this case that would have really helped. Just a thirty second blurb like, oh, this rust wind just blew animals up and <laughs> Yeah, which like that's what I don't get. And and it's definitely you know, we talked about it before we started recording. I think this is definitely a show where you're supposed to just enjoy it and like not really think about really any science related to this because none of it really makes sense at all it shouldn't and, and i say it shouldn't with purpose because there's a bit of charm with this show that you are left wondering a lot about what the uh the rest of the world is after you've left it because the show ends very succinctly at the end and you're like okay that story was tight that narrative was grounded and the world was at least adhered to. That's the important part. The world felt like it was... The rules, we may not have known all the rules, but they were followed to a T, right? So you you are brought into a world, nothing felt like it was a deus... There was one moment where it felt like deus ex machina. <laughs> I think there was a few. There was, <laughs> I think there was one moment where it was very deus ex machina, which we'll get into it later, but the rest of it... But at least that deus ex machina at least felt a little bit contrived from the rules we have learned from the world. So I'm okay yeah. with that. I'm l- Listen, I'm, I'm trying to give it all the benefit of the doubts because I think the show really was like a very well-constructed, tight narrative. It was a really good narrative and the character pieces and like I, I think the characters are the selling point. I love the characters in this show. Every single one was great. Yeah, they were good. I will say I don't know if I'm just stupid or couldn't follow the plot, but I struggled to realize who Kurakawa was for like really the longest time. That's fair. Because there was this this guy in like the, basically this mobster get up 
who happened to be like turned out the governor of the entire city and like he was just popping up for the first couple episodes like every now and then with like this you know this group of like killers and i'm like oh he's their like handlers or whatever sure, sure. nope he's the freaking governor of the bad guy <laughs> and i'm like oh okay i guess somehow i, guess I missed that he's in charge of this whole shit yeah yeah he, he's the guy doing all the bad things so let me oh. let me let me get the students a little context so they know what we're talking about so in this world like we had mentioned there's this uh almost climate meteorolog- meteorological disease how's that go how did that go <laughs> it was I, painful <laughs> it was it, it's a natural disaster there how's we that? go <laughs> yeah i appreciate it it's a natural disaster called the rust wind that had happened because of a prior war and the world is affected by this rust that destroys everything inorganic and diseases everything organic. Most, I wouldn't say everything, but most things. And this world is kind of desolate. I wouldn't quite call it Max Payne because it's not quite uh, visceral, but it's very close. It's, it's more kind of like a trigun. It's just kind of like a desert world where there's not a lot of things, but society is still going on. There are, you know, uh, there's towns. Tokyo is still alive and well, but it's not like completely desolate, right? Uh, I... Yeah. So there was a couple like confusing things throughout. I think the climate changes so drastically for like one little like period where they're walking. They'll yeah. be like in legit ass desert. Then they'll be in snowstorm. Then they'll be in like nice, beautiful, like green meadow. And it's just like, all, all in like one episode, right, they've walked right. through all of these climates. How is that even possible? It, it did seem like a little, uh, like the only time that I really would like some explanation. Like it would have been nice if they were even like, yeah, Russ went fucked up like climates. It's it's almost as if the world had gained another weather system, right? It's just like you can have thunderstorms, you can have snow, you can have sunny days, you can have rust, right? It's just another weather system that comes through but if that rust comes through then you're screwed because that i don't know because like they mentioned the rust wind as like an original issue and then there's not really like there's not consecutive like oh rust storm on its way you know what i mean like they can't predict it they can't predict it okay <laughs> i'm just saying I mean, you're it right was like you're very right. like right. yeah the I just wish there was a tiny, tiny, tiny bit more like let's stick to our guns here unless we're misinterpreting and it's entirely possible what the rust wind like did. It's, it, it, it's possible that it was like after the disaster, it blew across the world and then like it can still infect people like in perpetuity, but it's not necessarily like a wind that constantly will blow through. But it's funny you said it misinterpreted because people in this world had misinterpreted the cause of the rust wind or at least a major component of why it exists to a uh, another natural phenomenon which is mushrooms that every place they see the densest rust occurrence has mushrooms at it so they assumed oh mushrooms must be a major component as to why the rust exists fun fact in this world there are people that are called the mushroom keepers that are actually trying to stop the rust wind because mushrooms actually eat rust in this world. And we find out that one of the more prolific, more skilled mushroom keepers is this guy named Bisco. And he's trying to actually actively 
destroy the rust because he wants to save his master, Jobby, who is probably one of the best old men characters in all of anime, in my opinion. He's such a badass. Yeah, I mean, while obviously he follows the old man trope where he's just like unnecessarily powerful, he's also just like cool and he seems like he's so chill he seems like literally part of the band rather than like i I feel like that's something they do with like powerful old men in anime they make them like sort of the monolithic figure off in the like soul palace where you're like you're not supposed to talk to them but but he's like super there yeah he's very much like part of the team but he's not really like he's not front and center like he's definitely and he's willing in this entire show he's willing to be like I'm your backup. I'm your cover. Let me go do this thing for you while you go do the main objective. And Bisco, uh, with Jobby's help, had uh, met a doctor who I want to talk about this character a good bit because he's interesting. But this doctor, Milo, who uh, is probably the most important character in this show, in my opinion, because his ability to synthesize medicines and utilize medical knowledge to actually help a lot of these individuals. And we see in a number of cases that Milo, despite Bisco's ability to uh, like excel in combat, Milo seems to have a more uh, profound effect on the world than Bisco does in, I would say, the first two-thirds of this entire show. So it's interesting. Yeah, I think that was like honestly a main component of the plot was trying to figure out you know, who is really more important to the rest of humanity. (laughs) Really? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly Um, it. And it really comes to a head near the end of the show. I think like episode nine or 10 or something like that. It really becomes a a real sticking point. But I don't know, like, you're right. The characters were great. Fortunately, they didn't have too many. There was a lot of like... It was tight. There was was a lot of drones, if that makes sense. Like worker bees like floating around (laughs) that didn't really matter much. I like that. Um, And they did did this like kind of interesting, um, I guess, literary trope or something where you can like, you make the worker bee literally like a like a zombie almost by giving him this like brain eating, <laughs> like controlling mushroom I, thing. I see what you're saying. I see so what like you're saying. you literally couldn't care less about any of these guys because like they're just contr- like pawns essentially. Yes. But like this, sh- th- this show was not afraid to make the pawns, the pawns, right? right? Like the ones you knew that should have stood out always stood out from, from the rip, like Pawu, like, Literally stood out. Right. Jobby. Of course. We will talk about her. But, yo, Jobby stood out. Milo stood out. Bisco stood out. And even, like, is it Tyro? What stood yeah, out? Tyrell. Yeah, yeah. The pink haired chick. They, you Jellyfish. know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if, they, if they needed to stand out, they stood out. So this show is not afraid to keep their core cast tight. So did you watch Suburb just. Oh, you know. You know. It was Sub. Okay. Fair. Of course it was up. You watched up, yeah. Of course. Of course you watched. Like, why did you even ask me? I knew what you had to say, but like. Yeah. So I actually I think I watched the first three in sub. That was pretty decent when it like came out. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say like the first three episodes they were very boring to me. It That's took, fair. It took a long time for the show to like really get its engine moving. Um, and I think. I mean, any show really is kind of boring in the beginning. You have to really get the show's 
kind of moving. But in this case, it was like extra boring because like we didn't even know the problem yet. Like we really, yeah, like, that's the yeah. one kind of, I think, downside to dropping somebody into a plot or into a story with zero info on like the world or like the population's like issues. We were dropped into a slice of a world we were not prepped for. Not like, at all. Like, that's part of this. It's like you, th- this has gone on long before we showed up. And like I said, this is going to be sh- this is gonna be going on long before we leave. So like, it's just there. So we dropped in, and you're right. I think. It, I mean, it is a little Mad Max in that regard. Like, you just show yeah. up, and you're like, "What the fuck's going on?" It was episode three. I remember when Bisco realized that Jobby was not in a state to travel, so he had to have Milo come along and uh, be his doctor, medic, synthesizer, like. He had to be everything Jobby was prior. So he's like, all right, I can't take my mentor with me, but I have to take this schmuck. Like, right. And th- it was at that moment everything took off because they got on the real main character of the show, Atsukagawa the Crab. Yeah, Atsukagawa, the- <laughs> definitely <laughs> like main character material. So as we, as we had said, <laughs> the ecology of the show is that it's basically a bunch of of uh sea creatures and a lot of crustaceans a lot of uh normal earth life just like blown up to the nines and bisco uh, had a mount a uh familiar that was atsgawa who was a giant crab brother really but like literally brother he was he was a brother like he's he was called a steel crab right and which He's, somehow steel doesn't rust all of a sudden. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, Not, no, steel does. Steel crab doesn't. Uh, evidently. Come on. You got you to gotta know if you know, you know. And this crab, he, he's got a fucking attitude on him. He's got an attitude on him. Because, I mean, like, it really was kind of interesting. It's like uh, there's plenty of stories where they give like a, a horse or something a lot of personality. Yeah, for sure. Like I think of, um, I know our... Our buddy Polani will will realize this, but from uh, Brandon Sanderson's wow fucking book called Wow, you can drop that mad literary yeah, reference. Stormlight right Archives. Cool. They have these like essentially mythical horses that you can bond with. That's actually super cool. And like the horse basically becomes like your your homie that, and you only you can ride it. They're called like Rashadians. Oh shit! That's and cool. they 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 do a lot later on. Like the horses can't actually speak to people, obviously. But but they have like such a like large personality that you really like, understand that they're like part of the squad, right? And that's right. absolutely what like Oct- Octagawa does. Yes, it's like he's very very I guess expressive, opinionated. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. opinionated. Yeah, literally, it's just like he literally says Octagawa does not like doctors, like. Oh, yeah, and, what? But Bisco literally <laughs> said that like it was so matter of fact. Like yeah. he just, just doesn't like doctors. And how like, did how did he know? Yeah, how what? would he know? Yeah, so he's literally using his big claw to just throw him, throw Milo off. Yeah, just like you're a bitch. Bloop, done. And then Pretty he good. even even when he dressed up like a ranger, like he still was like, mm, nah, nah. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I still don't feel this vibe. Uh, eventually, Milo gets the vibe, and he can ri- He can drive the crab. Right. Essentially, <laughs> he he can put that bitch in manual. He 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 gets that hit. He gets that in he fifth that gear. Skirt, 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 and he gets that in fifth gear, and he gets it going. Right. So th- this this is um from a narrative standpoint a very journeyman's anime. Like it's it, there's an adventure, there is a squad, there is 
you know, like it feels a bit, I know there is a bit of connotation with monster of the week when I say that, but this for a couple episodes, I say from like four to seven, it has like a very, uh, okay. Encounter of the week vibe, but it's not a bad, it's not in a, in a bad way. Like it's, it, it's all continuity. The connective tissue is all there. They learn things about the overarching plot, but you have a nice journeyman's anime, right? They have an objective. They're trying to find a particular mushroom that is much more equipped at eating rust. All the mushrooms in this world, mushrooms in general, can eat rust, but they have a pretty bad fucking rap, right? They are known by the general populace to be the cause of rust, but these mushroom keepers are the real ones that are saying, no, 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 fam. Mushrooms eat rust. We got this. We can beat this ecological disaster if you just let us. But they aren't getting the opportunity because of their uh, prejudice that has been uh, placed upon them by uh, overall society. So they're out there. Bisco and Milo is out there trying to look for that one mushroom that can do it so fast that no one can deny that mushrooms are the savior here. Yeah, I think actually it was a little more, it wasn't really like Monster of the Week or Encounter of the Week. It was a, like, a lot like um, JoJo's Part 3, where they're, they're on a journey to yeah. some place, yeah. but like shit obviously happens. There's some Taco P Destiny vibes here too, I, I would say. There's like, it, it's yeah, like, exactly. they, they, have a, they have a destination, but there's things that happen along the way. And then yeah, which is like important. totally fine, I think, for a plot. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Tr- I would say it doesn't really match up with like a trigun so so much because i don't know that they necessarily had like a destination in trigun until i was thinking like near more the of, end more of the, the setting a- aesthetic the aesthetic setting yeah definitely yeah. fits for like 90 percent of or maybe 70 percent of the show i mean that's yeah. that's where like i i really struggled is like the the city of imajima or what whatever the fuck it was called sure ijima I don't know, whatever. Imahara or Imijima or Ima, uh, yeah. something. Ima, Ima something. Whatever. Imahara maybe. Yeah. Uh, seemed like just normal, like temperate city. And sure. then yeah. you go to the Imahara watch station at Miyabuku or whatever the fuck. These dumb names are so hard to say. <laughs> Snowy ass as yeah. fuck. Yeah, yeah. And then literally down the hill was like the sand people. Yeah, and then a little bit farther was like more desert, and then there was like the the one spot where there was like all the all the like, um, there was sh- there was mushrooms, but there was other like, uh, I, I don't know, fucking fauna yeah. or flora, <laughs> fucking flora, flora, <laughs> flora, whatever. Um, so like I don't know, I just wish there was a tiny bit of like maybe even just like a they do show maps occasionally of like rail yeah. system. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, a lot of the, the old Tokyo subway systems that got everyone everywhere. Right. JR rail pass, you oh, know? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. But it's oh, just yeah. like those don't, they did not do enough for me to be like, this explains why you're seeing snow at the watch station right next to the fucking city. That isn't snowy. That's fair. You know? And That's then a little fair. There's like random just deserts, which Japan is not, does not have deserts so it'd be incredibly nice to at least get like one like tiny line of dialogue that's like yeah after that explosion the entire center of fucking you know Honshu turned into a desert that would so be nice I, to know I, I think that that is what kind of adds a little bit to the fantastical element of this show is that 
They never explain why, uh, like a Tokyo, you know, prefecture would just have become a desert, right? They're just like, whoa, that could have been where I lived. That's a fucking desert now. I mean, it does make sense. Like uh, an explosion that rusts shit, like d- a desert would come. It would make from sense, that, right? It would make sense. Like they were in desert and then instantly in snow in an episode, and so it's just like. I, that crab moves pretty fast, dude. But it was just it was just like hard to wrap my head around where the fuck we even were. That's fair. That's okay. Now, I I there was there was moments where like where geographically are we in Japan right now? And I still to this very second after watching the whole show, I had don't know where this place <laughs> you don't is know supposed where that to was. be. I- Iwahara or whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that, and that's cool, right? Is I I think they definitely were going north. Duh, I think they were just going north to go get the rust eater. But well, they said Akita, which I think is a real place. I thought that was north. I thought Akita was where those crazy meat, meaty chickens are. Yeah, and 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 the doggos. Yeah, I, I thought that's where that was nor- normally. But that uh, that journey actually with the characters, I wanted to talk about their dynamic because we on this show in the past have talked about the uh, the power of like a binary system of like main characters. These two individuals, Milo and Bisco, are like perfect plays on each other. I actually found their relationship very engaging, if not slightly homoerotic. I don't know if I, I don't know if you picked that up. So they were sus as fuck. <laughs> and the weird part was, it's like they would be sus as shit, and then he'd be like, "But you're gonna bang my sister, right?" And I'm like, "What is going He's on?" Like, he would be like, "I'm right here, but at the same time, my sister is a smoke show, though." Yeah, we're gonna die together, you know. We're gonna, <laughs> I love you forever, and then he'd be like, "But you should, bang but you my should sister. bang my sister." And I was, I gotta be honest, very confused. What I the think fuck was me- going on. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a a straight DJ and just say that Milo's just playing the long con. Like marry my sister, see her around as long as I can get you, because I'm gonna make this work for us. Baby cakes, Bisco. I'll make this work. I, I think that's what happened. I think that's what he's was, trying to do. I, I'm just gonna be honest. I think Bisco was like reciprocal. <laughs> Did you really? I, I actually didn't. I didn't feel that way. I Maybe didn't, I didn't, the dub. He was just like very. Was he about it? He was very down to clown. He was down. I know Milo was a hundred percent down, but like. So it was just like I I couldn't quite get what the <laughs> point of that was. Like I think there's there's plenty of interaction you can show between like two male characters to be like brothers, but they were like going way beyond that to the point where they're like. We've had that in Naruto Haikyuu. but We've it's like had this beyond like. I love you. It's like worse. It was just like, I want you to be there and die with me. And then he'd be like, put his hand head in his lap. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but this bang is, my sister. <laughs> this is, this was not just light. Yaoi. This is like long con. Yaoi. This is just marry my sister. So you're around. So I can just like slip into those DMS, baby. That's, that's what he's trying to, but it was that's like, what Milo was going long con right there. Weird. Because he also, was very like jellyfish chick. No, I think I think Tiro was like more, way more into him for sure. He never blushed at her. She it just blushed seemed at like him there was plenty of opportunity there. But I, what's what's interesting too is that Milo had all the harem energy. Like he got right. everyone, everyone besides his own sister 
from a female character perspective, was all about Mila. Well, even his sister was pretty much all about Mila. Yeah, Milo. even his sister was a little bit, but like he was about Mila. She was about Milo until she absolutely macked Bisco after it's like, oh, you're a living god. Bah, tongue done. Let's go. But yeah. like, I mean, I mean, obviously. <laughs> oh, what do you, oh, yeah, Bisco's a catch and Milo knows it, but here we are. Yeah. But. I, I like their character dynamic at least early on because of like what they both bought like brought to the table, and I, I think it was interesting to see Bisco, who is a more traditionally capable shonen MC character, actually find a lot of what Milo could bring to the table to the team, uh, more engaging, and he not necessarily felt jealous, but he felt like you have done more for these towns uh civiliz- like little settlements and stuff like that y- you've done more for them than i think i could and cuz milo would bring like the remember when he brought the cure to the shell skin uh to those kids and like yeah i think the the what bisco was trying to show him is like i think milo had this kind of like starry eyed view of of his abilities of bisco's abilities and like how sick he is sure which is totally sure. like reasonable yeah when it's flashy as hell it's right super but cool. bisco is trying to be like yeah but like you're saving lives i'm just like fucking shit up with mushrooms yeah 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 right right like you're literally like synthesizing medicines for an entire like settlements of people like i can only and save I think them it's from just one like, thing it's probably hard for somebody who's a doctor to realize the impact they have because like you see people when they're the sickest and then like you probably only see them a little bit on their like way back. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. But uh, and so he was just trying to be like, look, dude, being a doctor is pretty fucking important. And also you can save the world because I can't fucking synthesize this shit. You can. But it's, it, they were both aligned inherently at what they wanted to do. They wanted to save the world from something. And I think most doctors in that Hippocratic Oath is you're trying to save individuals from ailment and pain. Where Bisco was trying to do the same thing, but in his own way. He didn't have the medical background or the uh, prestigious experience that maybe Milo had. Right. So he respected Milo because they both... Well, you use what you got. The guy's powerful. He tries to use his power to help. Sure, So sure. it makes sense. But 100%. I'm just saying for, the, for that point where they're like, you're more important, I think he's just trying to do his best to like make sure the guy knows that he's important. You know what I mean? Because he was trying to do... Milo as a character was a little frustrating for me because he would like try to take on the combat role. And it's like... Even Akaboshi, who shot five times, is a bajillion times stronger than you. Sure. What a dumb fucking move. <laughs> sure, but like Migo did take on the combat role pretty damn well. I would say in, in like in Bisco's absence, he well, still did a pretty good job. I will say that was a little shocking. The power cliffing for yeah, yeah. Milo was heavy. Cause like, like all of a sudden he just became like straight up a fucking mushroom keeper god yeah god like so okay i i have a couple notes on this because i that was one of the things i wanted to bring up was that bisco had trained milo well bisco basically was your D ranger but he had the the mushroom kind of almost spell casting element to it where he could every time he shot an arrow it had spores on it that he could spontaneously germinate i guess that's the right word for that and would just spawn the right mushroom for the right time i never i don't know if you caught there was never a reason why he can do that or how he can like fi- like finitely get the right mushroom for the right moment but 
I'm not going to, I'll black box that one. I'll put that one in a box and put it away. Well, but, so I, this is super spoilery, I guess. We're in spoiler town. Uh, frankly, we, we the have whole to time we've been spoilering, so just deal with it. Oopsie. Oopsie, baby. Um, but I think they actually said the reason that his blood was important was because to become a mushroom keeper, they basically ingest so many spores and things like that that it's like, your anatomy is essentially like inex- like inexorably combined with yeah. like this fungus kind of state. So it's it's his own biology that's giving off the right spores at the right time. It seems like it's like that is a main component of how he's able to like control them so finitely. So I want people to know because I don't think we've actually explicitly said that mushroom keepers are basically rangers in this world where they have bow and arrows. And these bows and bow and arrows are essentially laced with certain mushroom spores that will do certain things at laced the... Laced with hypnol, dude. <laughs> yeah, essentially, at the, at the wielder's behest. Like, they will... Like, literally, like he can shoot an arrow at the ground, and it'd be a giant mushroom that'll launch him into the air. Or it'll shoot an attack mushroom that will either numb or put the enemy to sleep or... It, it like it's a really interesting power set. I gotta be honest; it's one of the most unique powers I think I have ever seen. Dare I say, in an anime, because it well, is it is quite not it is, all that rare. Because we did have Dorohedero with the exact same power, like sure, but I mean, like two years ago, <laughs> but right, right. But its usage with bow and arrows and blood it's it's got an interesting application to it all. There's something it about was very the, cool the yeah. way that they used it. Is, um, I guess it's not completely unique, but <laughs> it is its application, its usage, its limitations are all quite interesting. Like it, and and everyone's usages of this world, both good and evil, was There's a, very, a girl actually in My Hero Academia who also has like a spore power. Let me have my run. How dare you? How no, dare you're right. It no, no, very, I'm, I'm being shitty. But the like, use is extremely cool. Mushrooms is not a unique concept. It would be very cool if they explained why he's able to like control specific and ones. And there it is. They never really explain the power set. That's why I think this show lends itself to like just enjoy what you're seeing and do not question the fuck off large blowfish that can fly, oh, yeah, the large right, right. fucking crab, just the, the worm with human fingers and legs, legs? And yeah, stuff that attached was to it. The the seed bed for rust eater, like the on its own body, that was it, that was not wild. explained at all either, by the way. Pipe snake. Yeah, the pipe snake was just kind of brought up. And is the size of like Yep. I mean it really looked like uh, Jorman Gunder. <laughs> it was like a Rayquaza, but like times three. Like, yeah, it was Rayquaza times two hundred. <laughs> that thing was big. So yeah, there had the, two mouths. By the way, it did have two mouths, didn't yeah. it? Oh, jeezy Pete. So I mean, like, yeah, th- this show is gonna not explain some things to you, but uh, there are other shows that also do the same thing. Where you're just like, oh, you're in a world you don't quite understand. You're just getting a peek. This one feels a little more continuous. I guess is a word that continuous? might continuous. No, continuous because the continuity is quite sound here <laughs> of what they have explained, but it's not. I just wonder if it's not continuous. Continuous implies that it's a you know it's it's just like consistent all the way through. What do you think it, continuity means? The, well, continuity the continuous <laughs> implies that the plot that they had put up 
earlier in the show actually works <laughs> right, into the later right. show. Why the fuck would I think anything different? It's literally the same thing. I'm so shocked you can't understand why. I will say, though, like the weird ecology and stuff like that is very Trigun-esque. Isn't it cool? It's so cool. Yeah. I just love it so much. Like, I mean, it was very cool. Uh, the show, and, and like without the art style that they ended up going with, Yeah, like the lighter colors but still muted like Dora Hetero. Yeah. I think this would have fallen flat er for sure. And I think really the setting and the aesthetic just in general was really cool. Like any area where they had kind of like bombed out cities and stuff like that where there was just like skeletons of an old city was really cool. It felt bright and vibrant but also still dingy. Right. And there'd be yeah. like a, a skeleton of one of the Tetsujin like super robots. Literally someone like the kids built a city out of that skeleton. Right. What a what a cool concept. That's so cool. But yeah, that, that and that's what I'm saying, right? Is it's just that this this show like it feels lived in the I and the one of the greatest examples I think was when Pawu went to try to find Milo and Bisco and came across that old couple. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one, I, I guess this is the time in this episode where we talk about how Palu was the absolute dime piece of this show. Oh my God. Certainly. Absolute smoke show. 10 out of 10 near death, as death level, right? Certainly. Uh, definitely had the, the same level of badassery. Yeah. Um, Curve curvometry, curvometry. Yeah, I love that uh, curvometry. <laughs> and had the monstrous strength to be like an OPMC and you know that slaps cheeks. She went out there and she got what she wanted. She to. got what she wanted. You know what I mean? Yeah. He and offers I, her, you know, I'll give you one thing as a, like a, you know, as a favor. She'd be like, "Fine, you." And yeah, he's you like, know what? Well, yeah, yeah. How can I ever repay you? Guess he's married want, to her now. Yeah. How can I ever repay you? I want this up and down. I want yeah. you, Bisco. Every bit of this. And, and Milo is in the corner. Ooh, oh, shit. I wanted him, too. Little panda boy's <laughs> like, oh, fuck. He gets it. Like, yeah, like, I'll, I'll take seconds, though. But uh, <laughs> she, uh, she went to a town trying to find Milo and Bisco because he, uh, she believed that Bisco, who was actually wanted for 800,000 big ones... Yeah. Because the world had thought that mushroom keepers were the ones who were propagating the the rust wind. So when she fought him, who was her first real fucking opponent, and they're both like, "Oh, you're you're pretty strong receptively." And then she's like, "Yeah, you're pretty strong too." What you doing later? A little bit. You know, what what, what are you getting into? I'm going to slide in those DMs. But <laughs> Yeah, she, I mean, it was another situation where there was just like no explanation for why she was a super saiyan, essentially. They never, they never talk about why she is so supernaturally strong. She's basically... There was essentially three characters in the entire show that were supernaturally strong. Bisco, her, and Jobby. Jobby was weirdly strong. Yeah, and yeah. then everybody else seemed relatively human level in strength. Milo kind of had that cliffing, but I want to get into that. But that a was bit. just like randomly at the end. I, I like unexplainable. <laughs> because he, we'll get into that in a second. But Palu went to a town on her travels to try to get Milo and Bisco because she was believed that Bisco had captured and coerced Milo to come with him and uh, met an elderly couple who she thought was uh, some nice peace loving folk, you know. And you know, they told a story about a mushroom keeper that had come in and healed everybody, but then they started to collapse after the medication had been given, and he had said to the elders of the village, 
thank you for this interesting experiment. And reinforced her mentality that these mushroom keepers are the true villains, which is interesting in all respects because she is like had held on to this ideal that like this the, the mushroom keepers are the reasons why the mush like the the mushrooms are the reasons for the rust wind and she wanted to like combat that turns out that this elderly couple that had been given her you know hospitality were basically kind of like a jigsaw saw family kind of situation like uh, trying to torture people and experiment on them kind of another situation where a little bit more explanation would have been nice yeah i couldn't tell if they yeah. were cannibals or just like straight up made like do you remember um the guy's boyfriend in fucking uh invincible yes yes gets yes. like made into this like human machine monster thing i think he shared my name i think his name was richard or rick uh, okay. I think I think that's what it was. It's totally possible. Yeah, I think that's but like what it was. that is what they were doing. Yeah, they were. Oh, cause, right, because they they there was those corpses with all those pipes. Yeah, yeah. attached, and one of them attacked Powu, and I was just like, wait a minute, that thing's alive. Yeah, that must like, be what that. The fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? So they were clearly mushroom experimentists, scientists. I don't know and... if they had anything to do with mushrooms at all. That was what I didn't quite get. I think they're experiment. They're experimental group of the rust. I think they're trying to keep them. I don't think it had anything to do with rust. They were just fucked up. They were just sadistic in that in that world, and they blew themselves up in the end. They literally just like, okay, we literally can't be you because you're an actual gorilla lady. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna just blow ourselves up in this cave, and we're gonna be done with it. So you're a it's little fine. human monster. Yeah, I you're guess, an actual so... human monster. So whatever. So yeah. So I I don't know. I think as much as we didn't get explanation about that particular like tiny, tiny mini arc, I think that's one of those few things that shows don't do often is just like, this is a world that is lived in. People have been living in this apocalyptic world for at least one generation, right? They just learned to survive. And they even mentioned it. Like, we've just been trying to be out here surviving the best way we can. And how we thought to do it was experimenting on corpses and just let's make defenders of our home right so I, yeah i don't, I don't know. know i mean it's very possible like you watch everybody from your town literally die like it's possible they just like break you know what i mean yeah um yeah. but it does i think like creepos like that do a lot for a setting to be like thought of as like a grungy and like really amoral it, it helps this particular setting right, right a yeah, lot yeah because like i think you know stuff like that shows up in shows or movies and stuff like that very similarly Some hills have eyes shit but right like, but what that would naturally form from a predicament like this right right yeah or, or like really even like zombie apocalypse movies there's yeah, always like yeah. some fucked up person like messing with zombies that never had the opportunity to do that kind of thing but now that right. they're here now that they get to do that so yeah, it, it's it, it it made it feel lived in. It actually made it feel like of course we didn't get explanation, but and it actually was quite narratively important because it reinforced Powell's like uh disdain for the dis- fucking mushroom exactly, keepers. Exactly, the prejudice that had been laid into her psyche had now been reinforced by a random group and then after though that couple said like, you know, the story we said uh, may they never said if it was true or not about the mushroom keeper that came into town and then like betrayed everybody, but they were now suspect 
they, as sources of this rumor, was now tainted because they were twisted. And they're like, and, she, and maybe she's like, was that Keeper story actually true? Right. And she started to, I don't think she started to uh, doubt herself, but she was just like, I don't know if this was a reputable source. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I don't know if these, uh, these people that blew themselves up in a cave. Yeah, uh, these were, guys uh, that were like harvesting human bodies. Possibly cannibals. On, possibly. Potentially not a good source. I <laughs> not, don't know. A, not a great source of information. But I guess if they told us which part of the human body tastes the best, I'd listen. But I other than probably would have listened to that. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, is it the, it's probably the calf, right? I don't know, man. Think of the thigh man. Okay. Yeah. Ethan's a thigh man. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's not I get would, it twisted. It like terrifies <laughs> me to think of somebody eating my thigh. <laughs> terrifies. That's fair. I, I, I think. Some... I did want to say, like, just to go back to the, the relationship between Milo and Akaboshi really quick. Sure. Um, it felt to me a lot like in Dune, where, where like Ooh, Paul, yeah. has to like integrate essentially into the Fremen and like yeah. kind of learns their ways. Sure, you know, yeah, yeah, because that kind of is what happens here. Is like Milo's this city boy that has to learn essentially how to become this like ranger mushroom keeper guy, and he does. You know, he does. Um, they show kind of later in in the show. Uh, it must have been like episode nine or ten. Like he's he's kind of using his scientific knowledge and then like the mushroom keeper skill set to like synthesize new ways of using mushrooms. It's earlier than that. It's even earlier than that. It's the moment that the frost bunny or the frost rabbit well, came out, yeah, like yeah, episode yeah. five. I just meant the later on he uses it, uh, the like sleeping powder or whatever the fuck. The bloom shroom with the numb shroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that he literally basically Walter White that situation. And but just you're like, right. Even earlier, he kind of like learns how to combine a couple to do like spider silk with uh, numbing powder. That was that was the moment I realized that this show had something a little bit more special in terms of character dynamics within the narrative or the the lore they set up because uh, Milo, being someone who has high medical knowledge actually could employ this like what is it microology like the the study of fungus with like medicine and he applied both that like i applied a certain type of mushroom to compensate for my lack of aim with a bow by spreading the spores in a web fashion and like even bisco was like dude that's actually that's something. That's pretty dope. That, yeah. that, was, that was crazy. I mean, you could also just learn to aim, but pretty soon you could you could do that. But you compensate. He compensated. He could learn aim, and later he did learn aim. But he in the moment he's like, yeah, my aim's pretty fucking shit. But I do have medical knowledge, and I'm gonna have the right spores on here to actually make it that I don't have to here, get... Milo. Let me hold your bow. Okay, <laughs> let's do this. I'm gonna do this right now. Broke back bow. Boys. This is broke back Broughton. Like this yeah. is some. This is some real. There was some yaoi shit in this show, for sure. I like literally I really Bisco h- held Milo's hand to help him with his bow, and then but later, but I like literally couldn't tell if that was the point. I, it was kind of odd to me because. But how do you, how do you juxtapose that with like literally bang my sister? It made no sense to me. It was like within the same sentence. Yeah. Hold my hand and never hold my hand, but also like me. marry my sister. Never leave me. You, I want you to be the first thing I see when I like open my eyes again. But also marry my sister and just <laughs> you know 
create demon babies with her. <laughs> right? Like, I just don't, I could not get whether it was supposed to be Yaoi yeah. or not. Yeah. And, like, I, I tried to look up, like, light novel. Is there, like, some, like, forbidden romance going I, on? I actually read, a, like, more Mal reviews than I think I ever had for any other show just to, like, try to pick out what people were thinking. And the consensus is, um, how do I put this? Yeah. <laughs> fucking Yaoi, dude. Like, people want to see the, the Milo Bisco shit, baby. They were oh, all sure about they it. Do. Oh, baby. They were thirsting for it. It was disrespectful. <laughs> what? Right. Comments yeah, they're on the ones Mal who write Mal reviews. That do that. The ones who write Mal reviews. Yeah, yeah. That was exactly it. But, like, it's well, I mean, to not fair, to their detriment. They they literally had something going because light novels like do do this kind of shit. So like shows obviously come off, yeah, like less aggressive than light novels do. But yeah, like and, totally uh, possible. I still, I still think it's a, it was a real thing. It was a real thing. Like I, I still think like it's funny because I, I I gotta be honest. For me, it was distracting because I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? It wasn't distracting until he literally said in episode ten, "I love you. I've but, always like, loved you." And totally fine, except for unless you're trying to say like, "I love love you." But it would, you're right. It would have been "I love love you" if he wasn't so weirdly forward about him getting with his own sister. Right? Like like Bisco, get with my sister. Like she is down the clown with you. Like, yeah, she's hot. She's like got an insane bond. She about it. She's like fucking passionate. She <laughs> like, she's like, like she, she's like Shiro from uh, Slime. Kinda, huh? Uh, the pink haired orc or uh, ogre from Slime. Not Shiro. Well, what's her name? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's Shiro, right? Like Shino, Shino. But like, literally, monstrous strength, big titty, slim, like. Uh, literally like like shot for shot even used the same like like pole like the the ogre spear or whatever that that pillar is called she own she own excuse me fine because i thought whoever you said is the like i think the person he got the mask from who he like almost stole her body you're right you're right. So I was yeah. like a little right. confused. You're right. Like, she you're doesn't right. look anything like nah, that. Nah, nah, She know, she know. Might be, might be. But still, uh, my point stands. My point stands. Big titty slims, big monster energy, Miss Thickums from waist up. Like, that is that is who uh, Pau is. And uh, she got what she wanted. She got what she wanted. She went, she went for it at the end. Like, and okay, I, I want to say. There was a lot of people... I actually looked up, I don't know if it was Mal reviews or the fandom reviews. People are like, they can't biologically be related, right? <laughs> you know, Fair. So, so it was like entirely possible that there, it was kind of like a, what fucking show is that? Help me out with that. Uh, oh, uh, Sp- Spare Me Great Lord, where they're like, they're not actually related, but oh, they're yeah, like yeah. brother I've, and I sister. Started, I, I just started that. Right, right. Actually, a pretty good show, by the way. Yeah. Like, so the, I've watched the, the, actually the a few more Chinese shows. They're very into this like stellar like star alignment thing. Yes, very, very like, celestial based. That's gotta yeah. be some like martial arts influence or something. Anyway, those subtitles are an actual fucking. Trailer. Yeah, yeah, dude. Like, I, I <laughs> this watched is entirely unrelated before. But... I, yeah, before I showed up today, I watched two more episodes: episode four through six. 
those subtitles are trash, dude. They're hard <laughs> but, to but read. But the Sakuga is as good as yeah. you said. I like, mean, the show it, is unreal. It, it's really good. But, um, okay, back to it. But yeah, yeah like, they're, they're, people were theorizing they're not actually brother and sister, and they're like, well, I guess we'll have to wait till we find out like what their parents look like. And I'm like... We're not going to find that out. I don't out. think you're going to find that out, dude. I, I With think the absolute I, lack of backstory the show is into, or this book, I guess. But you know what? I, I, I think this show benefits from... It needs to just stay one season. I think it was narratively, it was tight. It had a good three act premise. It had a whole nice journeyman's thing. It had a nice like, yes, we're going off to do more things, but we're not going to show you more of that. I think but, so. Like, here, here's my theory. Okay, if it's a light novel, yeah, I think you can make a really, really solid one core show that doesn't have to be like crazy etchy and like all the light novel things. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess Japanese light novels, because to be fair, like solo leveling's light novel isn't like sexual or anything like that. No. But that's a very like common light novel trope is like harem etchy, basically banging your whole harem. Kind of sells. Yeah. I get um, it. but like, for instance, that realist hero rebuilds a kingdom. Gotcha. The first season was great. Yeah. The harem aspect was like minuscule, if any. Okay. And then second season, they're like, guess what? We forgot the fucking harem, We forgot boys. the harem, so we're going double harem now. <laughs> He's going to marry every bitch in this kingdom. <laughs> like, literally. And you're just like, what happened? So I will tell you my one big knock of this show before we give it some numbers. And it, it, it was the, it was like the deus ex machina of Bisco just coming back. Yeah. And I was, a, I was a little upset literally by it. resurrecting. Back up. I was a little upset by that because... I was upset by him and Korakawa being literally invincible right so <clears throat> Korak, oh we have not said it and we but we're like nearly an hour in so spoiler town usa you're gonna get it we did um, say spoiler alert yeah so here we are Korakawa is the governor of this particular like country or region that they're in and he used to be a mushroom keeper so he knows all about mushrooms and uses them to nefarious ends uh to the point where he uses something that i think no one else in the show uses called puppet shrooms where it literally neurologically subjects you to whatever the user is thinking. So you want to kill somebody, that person's going to go kill that person. So they're going to do that. So in that moment, you know, killed Bisco, and Bisco then killed Kurokawa in the reactor of the Rustwind, which is artificially made by the way i'm gonna say this is some big pharma commentary shit where it's like we're creating the own the the disease that we have the cure for so fuck y'all that was so. kind of like a little bit like what trigun's deal was too yeah right, right. i was i was just gonna say like there, there was some of that there so I, I was like yeah you know what this is some big pharma shit right here some good I mean, environment. Honestly, I don't. I don't want to be. Get, I'm not getting. I'm look, not getting into it, Biggie. I'm not getting big into pharma, it. Pharma. If you hear us, we are not saying that you're doing this, but just uh, like, don't watch the videos. All I'm saying. Just all I'm saying. Just don't worry about. Don't worry about it. I like you're it. Totally don't really do it. Don't please don't. don't please don't demonetize us. Yeah. Fine. Um, but uh, the 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 commentary was pretty on the nose. It was very like climate changey. You know, pharma. Whatever. Fuck it. But, I didn't like, feel like overly climate changey. It, it wasn't, was, but pushy. it was. It, it was a lot like supply and demand. Like we have capitalistic. Essentially, yeah. we can't let the rust be saved because of how much money I make off of medicine. So and, we and, have to keep the rust wind going. It, it, and it was like beyond even just like the one little 
prefecture they were in, apparently all of Japan was run off this like system of like trading medicine and that's like their big currency essentially it's literally how the economy is even alive right now so right. he's just like we have to keep the rust wind going and he even said that the rust wind naturally actually hasn't had a lot of effects so we've had to artificially make sure people are still affected by yeah, the rust totally wind fucked up. that was pretty fucked up but well, I, I want to say even before that, he gets shot through the fucking eyeball and doesn't <laughs> he die. Did, he did, yeah. So, like, did. this guy, Kurokawa is literally invincible. Our boy, uh, Jobby is invincible. He got shot eight times, I think, like more than 50 cent. I'm pretty sure that Bisco got hit five times in the back as well with arrows. No, and- that was Milo. And Milo, okay, Milo is fucking invincible Bisco too. Bisco got shot a few times and arrowed, <laughs> I think, one, two three times with rust yeah. bullets and yeah. arrows yeah and so like now the only person that does eventually affect which i also found this a little annoying was bisco yeah jobby was able to like be a god the whole way through the show no effect whatsoever from sort rust. of lo- i sort of love that i sort of love the fact that he just like i'm down it with it but it was yeah. just like rust isn't a problem if you can literally like still exert superhuman strength yeah okay Pow-woo invincible right still. there and she had rust from day one right she had she was literally like 80 percent capacitated and still was superhuman i would have loved to have seen the rust kind of slowly come off of her because of some medicine and see her get well, stronger. i was thinking that when she made out with him that she was gonna like de-rust a little bit that would have been sick because as fuck. that like, would have been sick it would have taken the whole idea of like it's part of their blood, Synthesizing right? the cure yeah. inside his body. Yeah. I just thought that would have been an interesting way to that turn been pretty sick. A, a super light novel. <laughs> that would have been... That, okay. You gotta make out with Akaboshi to get your... We gotta write a lot. We gotta write a, like, a uh, light novel. Yeah. I think we should write a light novel. It's okay. gonna be debaucherous. It's gonna be a bestseller. Easy, <laughs> easy peasy. You'd be shocked. I think we really gotta put too much brain wrinkles into it to make it a bestseller. Uh, I guess you're right. But all, all, all things considered, you're right. Like, there, there's a bit... Uh, in consistencies and uh the deus ex machina of them all was bisco's resurrection uh and it's it's a bit dare i say fucked because <laughs> like it's not like it's not daren't you yeah <laughs> daren't i it's it's not that it isn't explained right because we we've learned that the rust eater mushroom that everyone has been seeking uh, its activation is a pure mushroom keeper's blood. We don't get an explanation as to what about their blood is special, but we do realize that the the rust eater mushroom and a mushroom keeper's blood mixed together is a true cure for the rust wind's disease. Now we realize later... I couldn't figure out why Jobby wasn't able to activate it. Yep. Because I was just wondering the same thing. They, they like, even what talk the about fuck? this like legendary mushroom keeper. Yeah. And Jobby literally says it's him. Yeah. He's he like, literally I, was like I am the hero. I am that guy. Yeah. Like, and so you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. But he should be the guy. I was this is another situation where I may have like over overlooked this or just not paid attention enough. But it sounded like Milo was telling Akaboshi that like they did something to him when he was a kid to like literally change some of his like genome or whatever to be like mushroomy. Remember, he was like, "That's why your fucking blood does this." Oh, was that what that was? So I couldn't figure out if like that's the weirdest. Maybe check-off. when Jobby was like that's training check- him, that's a Chekhov's gun, but I, I didn't like. Bit. I didn't catch that. 
Jesus, you're right. But I couldn't tell if like, okay, that's just like, I mean, this is something that I struggle with as like a dub fan is like sometimes it's like not translatable. So they just like make up a sentence and then it's like, do I really want to base my whole understanding of the show off the sentence? Fair. If it could have been mistranslated. Fair. Uh, a complete, a complete fair. Uh, and then again, uh, like even like the, the subs could be instantly easily mistranslated as well. I, I think the subs gave it right, but I think that's just, it's just that weird. No, I don't, you don't know if this, if the sub translation like is right either. I guess that's fair. I, I'm just going off what we got. But I like, know, but it's just like, I, know, it, I, I hear you. It always I hear freaks you. me out because yeah. I'm like, is that really what's going on? Is that on? really what's going is on? Is he like some fucking mushroom creature? <laughs> you know what? And he, this is the Davis Ex Machina. By the end, he destroys Kurokawa in the rust lava in their like uh like uh foundry where they're just powering artificial rust wind in this lava that's keeping that robot alive, the Tetsuin or whatever. And he then resurrects later from the rust because he already and we see that earlier. This isn't like unfounded. He has the rust eater spores inside of him. The spores, by the way. Not spores, but spores. He has it inside of his body and his body regenerates from the rust and he comes back from the dead. I don't, I hate it because like, I don't like it, but I can't disagree with it because they gave the context for it. So I can't. Yeah, but like the context was we were eaten by the pipe snake and that's where the spores are. Hmm. And I'm just like, then isn't Milo also able to regenerate? From from a continuity standpoint, he should. And then there was there was this conversation at the end where it's like, you really want to give up your immortality? I'm like, why the fuck do you think he's immortal? He so, died once and resurrected once. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so, Bisco coming back, I will say, is I got extremely angry and pissed. <laughs> I was pretty upset. I was upset because I... I, I love the but idea... But I knew that he was going to marry Pawu, so I knew he had to come back. <laughs> fair, fair. I... Once she macked on him, I'm like, all right, this is actually. I okay. mean, he might dabble with some Milo ass. A little, a little. Well, it's a family affair now. Yeah. Like, what are we gonna do? But I was a bit upset because <laughs> I liked the idea of this passing of the torch. It could have been this three episode final mini arc of Milo becoming, and we saw a bit of it, him becoming more like Bisco. Like, he was getting that cocky, confident attitude. His archery skills was top-notch. I mean, it's like Gurren Lagan. Now, I have not seen Gurren Lagan, but I thought that's I what it was going to end up being. It, it was It was actually about to be really cool. Like, this, that could have put the show into, like, 90 status for me. I also if, will say, when he lost his arm, I was like, this is going to be a problem. Yeah, no shit. And so, like, <laughs> because he's a, you know, a bow master... So I couldn't quite figure out how they were going to solve this problem. It's a bit of a conundrum, to and be I sure. And I could have never <laughs> expected what I got. That's all I can say. It would have been interesting if he had made like a fully controllable like mushroom arm, like pure fi- like Sakuga fingers. You know like, what I thought he was going to do? What you got? Kurokawa had these like fucking mechanic arms. I was like, oh, that's all he he's did. Do. Yeah, he could just snagged one from the lab or something. I thought that's what he's gonna do. Yeah, and but no. Instead, he like fully regenerated his arm, and it also had like rust eater powers, which it is wild. Glowed and everything is cool. He also lost his leg, and they didn't sit, do shit about that. He just got normal legs back. Oh, you 
So I just want to say. You are right, my dude. I totally, I totally forgot about that. You're right. Continuitous. Uh, <laughs> Continuitous. I was, like I said, I was upset. I didn't want Biscuit to come back. His sacrifice could have just like given Milo this like new life. I'm fine and, with him coming back because Milo is whiny and kind of annoying. But I was cool with him just taking on the mantle of Bisco and just like I am. He did now, turn into like a real savage by the end. I was like, I was like, this is dope. Okay, he's like, he's like, hey, Tessujin, you pussy, you little, you absolute <laughs> bitch lord. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm coming for you now. Yeah. And he just took on the like the Bisco like mentality yeah, spirituality and he, but and he was just like literally sniping shit yeah, he was slaying it was amazing arrows across the fucking galaxy so i was like okay this is quite interesting i don't think i've seen an anime quite like this where what i would have assumed the main shonen mc to die like two-thirds the way through and then that little bitch lord took on the <laughs> me- took on that like mentality spiritually and skill wise to be the spiritual successor of the Shonen MC. I only save people unless I hate them. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> yeah. Like, it would have, I was like, this is going to be fucking dope. Yeah. He's got the crab. Like, they set everything up, right? He had crab skills. He had bow skills. But he has fair, med skills. But it, it would have been impossible for them to actually beat Tessujin. And here we are. They made right like there. they made like an enemy that was literally too fucking strong. And here we are. Unless you have like this. I don't even want... They keep calling him a god, but like I cannot be like, he's a god because he's fucking mixed with rust eaters. And that was the one problem I felt, was like, even if Milo could put up a fight, it still was like... I had a moment where I was just like, he's not going to do this. So there has to be something. There right. has to be something that, that changes the tide of this battle. I didn't necessarily think it was going to be Bisco's resurrection, but lo and behold, I was like, yeah, all right, this feels... This this feels like this would have happened, but I don't like it. I wasn't. Then again, they did mention, and this is obviously like a Chekhov's gun. They said, like, do you think his body's intact? And I'm like, why the fuck would you care about that? Nice get. Yeah, I didn't even consider that. Yeah, like because I was like, like people already were like weird about his body, right? <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. So they already kind of like think anything of it when they said that. I'm like. <laughs> That's a very strange thing to say. They, but they other set than up that, whatever. They set up him to kind of be like kind of half man, half half shroom kind of thing. Then again, like taking all all of it into account, if he had the rust eater spores in his body already, how did he get like rust poisoned to the point where he was about to die anyway? I couldn't get like why it was like only affected after he jumped into the rust stream. Uh, Kirikawa said that. You know, when Milo had the puppet shroom that he had laced the arrows that he was shooting with a very concentrated form of rust. And I think that that was part. It was just like artificially potent. I think that could have been part of it. And he got shot with three of them, by the way. Right. But like, why is that a problem for somebody who literally generates rust eater spores in his own body? Like it was just. I, I, it was think, a, I think just science overcame nature. Nature, <laughs> nature. I don't think so. I think it was just bad. Uh, it's just bad writing. I think it was just, just bad really writing. bad. But I, I think in the end of the day, it was just like we have enough meat to talk about this show in twelve episodes because like they did such a good job of at least for certain continuity issues, they did build quite an interesting world. All things considered, so I mean, now seems like a better time than any to do it to them. So what would you think your score would be for this show? 
Yeah, it's tough. I think the first three episodes were a big downer for me. It was almost like a situation where, like, the rule of three, this you have to go beyond it. Because yeah. I, I would have dropped this if, if like Bob Man hadn't said it was gonna, it was gonna be like a banger of a show. He did say it was gonna be right because he had watched yeah. the rest of it, I guess, and he was yeah. like, "Yeah, the first couple are slow, or first few are slow." But keep keep it up, and I'm like, yeah. okay, that's you have to, that's you have a to good... make it to like the very end of three to even get a, like an inkling of right. Of I mean, it's yeah. a vote of confidence to keep going, and yeah. then you know, obviously, I had heard from the community that it does get better and like things like that. But uh, hmm, I guess I would give it probably an 82. Yeah, Powu is Bay out of a hundred. I was gonna say 81 numshrooms out of a hundred. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, literally right there. Uh, I think this. This is definitely an 80s show. This is... I think uh, higher would be if they had, like, even really attempted to explain anything. Yeah. It's just, like, for me, like, as a, like, logical, ordered person, I, like, really need answers to super enjoy something. See, I I felt like It just feels like loose ends everywhere, and you're just like, okay. I'm more cool with the loose ends because if they were to explain it, it could have either bumped this up to like an 85 or 86 or down to like 77. Like the explanation was a teetering point. If they were to explain the giant ecology or explain why Bisco was the way he was or explain why Paolo had the monstering strength that she did. Right. If, if they were to do it right, it would have jumped it up to like an 85, 86. But if they could have very easily done it wrong and it would have gone down like a 77. So I'm actually cool that they didn't explain much because I'm I like the idea of being let into like I've said like ad nauseum on the show. I would let say into though, a like, sliver. I feel like Adora Hetero was similarly unexplained, and then they did make attempts to explain it, and it felt more right, right, like, right, right. Like they definitely did, they, additive. They did it right, like, but it, but it's so easy to do it wrong. Like that, the explanation can be like, "This is fucking stupid." <laughs> I guess. Like, like, imagine if they explain the ecology of just like, oh, the spores just made them big, and you're like, that's it. That's that's all we got. Like, just it just made them big. Like, you have no other thing for that. Like, I, I don't know. Well, they like, the other thing is there were there didn't seem to really be a lot of mushrooms other than what the mushroom keepers were creating. <laughs> that's actually kind of so. Like, except for the rust eater, yeah. Except yeah. for the rust eater that was naturally forming. Well, no other mushroom like bioluminescent existed. ones. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, there was a, the ones in like the the caves and everything. But fine. Anyway. Fine. It's a solid show, guys. Definitely something to, to check out um, if you missed it last season. Uh, it's definitely an aesthetic I think we don't really get too much of. This is from a studio that is from a lot of, like I said, ufotable vets that did a lot of uh, uh, blade work shit, a lot of like uh, Fate, uh, Fate Stay Night series, and it shows. Like the CGI, I don't say this lightly, the CGI works. It's all very clean. The Sakuga is... CGI up- what? The CGI was great. Didn't see, I didn't even notice. It was very apparent, but very good. Uh, are I would you sure say it was yes, yes, very much. No, no, the I crab was CGI. The entire crab, every single time, was CGI. By the way, yeah, I think the thing is though, it felt like while CGI, they very, very much stylized them like heavy lines. Shade. Like I said, you can do CGI right, and they did see because it's you foldable vets. Like they know what they're doing yeah, with CGI. Right, fair enough. That's all I'm saying. So like, 
If you're a Sakuga fan, the Sakuga was abound and abundant. It is everywhere in this show. It looks so good. The Every character model was like super on point. All the fights were very fluid. You're Even if, you're, if you don't like the story or whatever, just turn your brain off, hit some popcorn, get yourself a, get yourself a drink, and just go watch the show. It's a very good time. Um, and uh, you won't be disappointed. It's a, it's a weird one. I don't think I've seen this combination of tropes or story elements in a long time in anime. It's a very weird one, but it's a, it's why anime is great. It's, it's a very nice tight story, but thank you everyone for coming to class. But if you want to jump into our discord, only if you can patreon.com slash shubology, one dollar and up gets you into the discord with all of our past guests and the lovely Patreon folk. We have had a good time talking about this season, which has had a lot of dark horses and a lot of sleepers. So you, I'm watching a frankly degenerate level amount. You of are shows. doing so well. I'm so proud of you. I'm doing well on anime, not so well <laughs> on everything else. Um, I like it. But yeah, if you guys want to check out us on other platforms, all the links are in the description. You're already on the platform, baby. Just jump on over. Like yeah. literally, the entire the entire backlog is right there. Blow, blow. Just go down the list. Just do it. Um, but anywhere you get your podcast fix, we're right there. Get all the links in the description below where you're currently at right now on this episode. You can also get into the syllabus sidebar. $3 and up, patreon.com slash ubology, our lo-fi, high vibes, sometimes anime, sometimes not, sometimes visual, sometimes on hiatus show, where we talk about life and shit and sometimes experimental things where we don't talk about on the typical we show. We don't talk about fecal matter, but... We, we some, we, yeah. You say it every time, but now we're going we're gonna to have a shit episode. Now. Life and shit. Life and shit. <laughs> right, right. Well, life involves shit sometimes, I yeah, would say. Yeah, you just don't talk about it if you're polite. But we do talk about it on the syllabus sidebar. <laughs> <laughs> Lo-fi high vibes. <laughs> Lo-fi high vibes. If you want to hit us up on the old school, just say hi or give us an anime you want us to watch. Weebology.com slash... Uh, Oh, awkward no. yeah we ball g <laughs> gmail podcast at gmail.com like i said links in the description really it. unnecessary to go through the whole links again brother i love i love doing it i know but it, i feel good when i do it you, you literally said we com slash something and just not right well, i mean we could... <sighs> all right until we get our links in order because clearly they're disordered i'm ricky and i'm ethan and this is no ebology <laughs> deuces, deuces. I think there's like seven more links. I should just, let me just go roll I back on the links. I'll, I'll do the links again. Let me do the links again. We're good. And this is patreon.com. <laughs> <laughs>